Well, if you have your Bibles this morning or an iPhone or an iPad, I pray that you'll join me in Proverbs 18. We're going to look at two verses in Proverbs 18, and I'm preaching under this title, The Hiding Place. Let me give you my outline. It's exceedingly simple because you have an exceedingly simple interim pastor. We have the hiding place and then the wrong hiding place. Proverbs chapter 18, let's begin reading together in verse 10. I'll read you follow along. Proverbs 18 verse 10. And the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, inside of it, and is safe. A rich man's wealth is his strong city, and like a high wall in his own imagination. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you remember playing hide and seek? Well, some of you are not sure. I think I remember playing that. Well, that's not fair to ask you, especially when we have quite a few folks here who have been married quite a long period of time. How many of you remember when your children played hide and seek? Oh, yeah, 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 there's a bunch. Well, there's still not everybody. How many of you remember when your grandchildren played hide and seek? Well, this is not a scientific study, but I'd say just about everybody has played hide-and-seek or remembers played hide-and-seek. I'm much too young to have forgotten all of it, but I, I'll rely upon you. One thing I do know about hide-and-seek, and I noticed it with our grandchildren, they love to hide in tight places. Now, part of that's concealment. But I I noticed Judson would always hide between the bed and the wall as far back as he could go. Jared would hide under a table. But all of the places were tight places. And and I, I think part of it may be security. Maybe we're even going back to the womb. I I don't know, but there's something about being held in and tight and that gives us a comfortable feeling, a confident feeling, a, a feeling that we're, we're okay, that we're safe. Well, the Bible talks about we need to be comfortable in our Christian life from the standpoint of, of accepting it and living it. There's going to be problems and situations, but we ought to have security in our Christian life, and the security is in the hiding place, the place we go to be alone The place we go, not to hide from the world, but to hide and be secure and think about the things that are important. And the Bible tells us that the name of the Lord is a hiding place. The name of the Lord is the place we ought to run to, to feel security and comfort and help. It's the place of safety, a hiding place. Solomon here is talking about that very type of place as he thinks about the hiding place in verse 10, it's it's appropriate that the hiding place is tied in to our God. And it's appropriate that the hiding place here is referenced as the name of the Lord. And it says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Boy, don't run past that. 
Don't, don't just run past little things like that in the scripture. A strong tower. In biblical times, the cities were here and around the city would be a wall because there were barbarous people that would come and take over your city. So you had security in the wall. But at the corner of the wall were towers. And the towers were higher than the wall. And the towers were there in order to observe what was coming from a long way away. But it was also there to direct traffic on the wall should there be an invasion. It was a place where you could observe and direct and guide and help. It was a place of strategic importance because if you were in the tower, you were in control of everything that was happening along the wall and therefore everything that was happening during the battle and everything that was happening in the city. The, the Bible here says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The, the word came to my mind and I don't think it translates, but it translates up here to me. The name of the Lord is a fortress, a strong place, a place of observation, a place of definition as we live out our Christian life. The name of the Lord is the subject of extensive Old and New Testament revelation. And all throughout Scripture, do this for me. Do a little word study on the names of God. It will amaze you. It will amaze you. You don't have to have a theological education. Get you some help in your Bible and open it up and just study on your own. And see what leaps off of God's page and into your heart by His Spirit. The name of the Lord. Elohim. The Creator God. God has used, uh, this name is used extensively in the book of Genesis. We find it 2,700 times in the Old Testament, 32 times in the book of Genesis. And Elohim means the God who creates. Is that appropriate for Genesis? The God who creates. Elohim, our great God. The name of the Lord is a, is a hiding place. And we can hide in that powerful name, that strong name of Elohim. But Elohim is contracted in some of the instances to El, E-L, rather than Elohim. And El is found 250 times, and it means God Almighty. It's the God who brought Israel out of Egypt, Numbers chapter 23, verse 22. It, it is also translated Eloah, first mentioned in Deuteronomy 32, 15, and 17. And here it's used in contrast to idols because Eloah is the living God. All these other gods are stone and, and wood and stuff. There's no life in them. And so here, the contrast to all of these, these false idols and false uh, sacred places and all is a living God, Eloah. When we meet God most frequently in the Bible, we meet him as Jehovah. And Jehovah is the God who covenants. It's the word that is most often translated in the King James Version of the Bible as Lord. Jehovah. Lord. It's found 11,600 times in Scripture. And the name Jehovah is a combination of the three tenses of the verb to be. Aren't you, is, is anybody listening to the preacher this morning? Jeho Jehovah, 
The God who was, the God who is, and the God who will be. That's Jehovah God. That is the only God. And he's the God who knows you. He's Lord. Jehovah. Jehovah God. Now, there's some compound names for God. And it takes Jehovah and, and the God who was, who is, and will, will be. It, it takes it and then makes it specific for certain situations. There's Jehovah Jireh. It's the Lord who provides. There's Jehovah Rapka, the Lord who leads. There's Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner. That's a battle uh, cry of the Lord. Jehovah Shalom. Guess what that is? When you meet a Jew, they say Shalom. Peace. The God of peace. Uh, there's Jehovah Sabbath, the Lord of hosts. There's Jehovah Roy, the Lord our shepherd. And there are others and others and others. I'm telling you, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And God has given us various names not for his benefit. All of this is describing one God. But it's the various facets that we need to hear because of our situations. There are times I need the God of peace in my life. He is. I need the God who supplies in my life. He does. I need the God of presence in my life. He will be. And so each of these helps us to understand that which is almost understandable only when we get to the other side. There's no way our little finite minds can completely comprehend God, but God has, has made it as simple and as easy for us to understand as is possible. And he's saying each of these is speaking of our great God, and he is our hiding place. The name Adonai is another name for God. It is the God who controls it's the idea of his absolute lordship. It occurs 300 times in Scripture. And every time it appears, it is plural and possessive. Hallelujah. Did you hear me? It's plural. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There is only one God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And it's possessive. He owns it all. He is all. There's nothing outside the realm of Adonai, Jehovah, Lord, our great God. And it's that name that we run into. And when we get inside that name, he is our hiding place. Inside that name, there's security. Inside that name, there's safety. Inside that name, there's confidence. He is our hiding place. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He is our hiding place. No wonder Solomon indicated that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. But I must complete my study this morning. This is the correct hiding place the Lord God but do you know there's a false hiding place and Solomon tells us it's verse 11 
A rich man's wealth is his strong city. Interesting phraseology. And like a high wall in his own imagination. Again, verse 11 is contrasted to verse 10. Verse 10 talks about a tower, a command center, a fortress. Here we're talking about a city. A city. But there's no mention in that part of the verse of a wall. It's just a city. It's just a place. It's just a thing. Now, he goes on to say, and it's like a high wall, but oh, look at the last part. It's like a high wall in his own imagination. Let me put it to you in Glenn Owens' vernacular. It ain't real. There's no protection in the city because the wall that's around it that should protect it does not exist. That's why the Bible warns about attaching so much importance to riches and things. Riches give a false sense of security. Riches give a false sense of safety. Riches give a false sense of comfort. And that's why the Bible talks about it's hard for a rich man to go to heaven. Now, it takes just as much of the blood of Jesus Christ to save a rich man as it does a beggar. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the fact that rich people tend to think they've got it made because they got money in the bank. I mean, I don't need God. I've got a million dollars in the bank. I got a million dollars in my checking account and a million dollars in my savings account. What a Amen. What do I need God for? Man, I've got it. <laughs> Bring on any bills. Bring on any situation. I got money. It's a false sense of security. Because just like this last two weeks, do you know the stock market moved more in the last two weeks than it's valued today? Folks, that has never happened before. It moved up, moved down, moved up, moved down, moved up, moved down, moved up, moved down, up, down, up, down, up, down. Calculate all of that and its value. That movement is more than it's worth today. And I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of folks got ulcers this morning because of the last two weeks. And listen, I'm retired. I've got money in that sucker. But my security is not in Wall Street. My security is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm glad that's over there. But that's not my security. A rich man's wealth is is like a, a city that has a high wall, but the wall is like in his imagination, and all of his strength and all of his security is in his own mind. It doesn't exist. This is in contrast to verse 10 to tell us that our hiding place is the Lord Jesus Christ, our God. A false hiding place is in the security of this old world, whatever it might be. You know, it's interesting to me that Jesus Christ preaches about three rich men in the Bible. 
three men that are called rich twice and wealthy the third time. You know the stories. There's, first of all, the rich young ruler. Then there's the rich man who was going to build bigger barns, and he was just going to have it made. And then there's the rich man in hell. Now, one conservative Bible scholar that I studied said he thinks it's the same man. It's interesting. I don't know that I agree with him, but it's interesting. And he says it from this reason, God's mercy is long-suffering. God keeps going back and going back and going back and going back to him, trying to get him to understand that his wealth is going to evaporate one day, and it's Christ that makes the difference in his life. So whether it's the same man and these are three times or whether it's three instances, I do believe this. The three instances picture three stages in a man's life or a lady's life. Thank you very much. Three instances... And out of those three instances, we can glean a lot of information to help us in knowing what it means to have the wrong hiding place. Now, I'm not going to read the scriptures. I'll give them to you, and you can look at them later. But the, the three instances are this. The first one is the first mistake the man makes. He's the rich young ruler in Mark 10, verses 17 through 22. Now, if you read that passage, here comes a man who appears to be full of enthusiasm. He's eager to give of himself. He even loves the Lord Jesus. However, he had a fatal flaw. He was rich. And that was a major obstacle to his relationship to Christ. Because riches are deceptive. Riches can have a binding presence on people. They can give them an artificial sense of power and well-being. Seeing the hole that money had on this young man, Jesus challenges that, that hold and says, exchange what is binding you for what will loose you. Exchange it. Give it away and come and follow me. And the Bible says the young man's face fell because he chose his riches over Christ. You see, this man's hiding place continued to be his riches, not the name of the Lord. That was the first mistake. But I want you to notice the final mistake. The final mistake we see in Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21. And he's the rich man who had the barns. You remember the story. He's, he's got all this, this, uh, all this uh, business, and it's just booming. And he walks out and surveys the lay of the land, and he says, Wow, boy, you know what? I'm going to build bigger barns. I've got so much, I've got to build bigger barns. And that, that way I can have more and more and more and more. Oh, man, I'm just going to be rolling in it. And so I'm going to, everything's packed out, but I'm going to tear it down and build bigger so I can have more and more. And then I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. Oh, man, I got it made. God says, you fool. Tonight. Your soul will be required of you. And whose will all this be? I've told you the story about the two men standing by the casket. Good friend of theirs that they played golf with all the time. The man was an entrepreneur, a philanthropist. He had he just made money everywhere. And they're standing there looking at him and said, you know, old Bill looks pretty good. They worked on him pretty good. Amen. <laughs> Man, he was wealthy. The other one says, you know, I didn't even know how wealthy he was until just recently. 
He said he was a, he was a billionaire. That means a billionaire. I didn't realize it was that much. Yeah, billion. I thought he was a millionaire. He's a billionaire. He said, how many times a billionaire? He said, I don't know. He said, how much did he leave? He said, he left it all. Rich man, rich man. God says, how foolish for your hiding place to be in something that you can't carry to the other side. When you get to the other side, folks, it's not a toll station. You don't pay a toll to get in. It's already been paid by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, God's one and only Son. He's already paid the toll. So when you get there, the gate just goes up. You don't have to do anything. The first mistake, a man would not turn from where he was to Christ. His hiding place was in his wealth. The second mistake is a man would not turn from expanding business and having it all done extremely well. Little did he know that eternity was on the doorstep of his house. That's the first mistake and the final mistake, but the fatal mistake we see in Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 28. A rich man has the finest attire, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and brunch. He has the finest. Outside the gate's a poor man. One day the rich man wakes up in hell. And the reality of the situation is this man who had everything, just just give me a just dip your finger in water and put it on my tongue. Just, just a drop. No. Then please send somebody to warm my family because they're living just like me and they're going to end up here. There's a story told and it's just a story. It's just a story. The story is told about a man dies and he approaches the pearly gates. And he walks up to the gate From inside the gate, says, who's there? said, well, I've just, just died. I, I want to enter the pearly gates. From inside, said, what's the password? Now, this is not how it's going to happen. It's a story, okay? <laughs> what's the password? Possessions. Wealth. I was a gazillionaire down on earth. I want to go into heaven. From inside, the reply is, depart from me, ye who work iniquity, I never knew you. In a moment, another man comes in. I'd like access to heaven. From inside, it says, what's the password? Power. 
I was the most powerful man on planet Earth. The whole world stooped to be in my presence. Power. From inside the pearly gates, depart from me, ye who work iniquity. I never knew you. In a moment, who's there? I'm a sports star. Made billions of dollars, and I had people clamoring for my autograph. I had young people wanting to be just like me. Popularity, athletic ability, success. That's the password. From inside it says, depart from me, ye who work iniquity. Who's there? Just a sinner wanting access to heaven. What's the password? In my hand, no price I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Open wide the gate, for such is the kingdom of God. Where's your hiding place this morning? Is it in wealth and riches? Or is it in the name of the Lord? I can tell you, there is a hiding place and there is the wrong hiding place. And it is very real. Sixteen years ago, next Sunday, February the 18th, 2001, A black number three car was blocking for another car going into the third turn just a few miles from where I'm standing this morning. We don't know exactly what happened. The car veered, went into the wall at 200 miles an hour. And the iconic driver, Dale Earnhardt, died. Sixteen years ago, next Sunday, on his dash was a Bible verse given to him by Stevie Walter, Daryl Waltrip's wife. Proverbs 18, verse 10. <laughs> Folks, it's real. It's real. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Everything else is a false hiding place. And I beg you, put your trust in the name of the Lord. Not in all of this other stuff. Because in one split second, it can be gone. And only that which Christ has done for us will stand the test of time and praise his name the test of eternity. That's a good place for a hallelujah, church. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, so many people today are trusting so many things. Help us to understand how fragile life is and how important it is to have the right hiding place. 
Lord, I pray this morning, if somebody here is lost without Christ, today they would be saved. Help them to understand the love of God that reaches around them and the love of God that wants to be in them. Maybe others need to come and rededicate their life or join this church or any other spiritual decision this morning that will bring glory to your name. Lord, any decision today that will honor you, we thank you in advance for. For we've asked it in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. As we stand, we're going to sing an invitation hymn. It's exactly what it is. We're inviting you to make a decision for Christ, whatever it might be. I don't have to tell you what it is. You know. Or if there's a stirring in your soul that you can't quite put your finger on, come down here. We have ministers, trained people who will pray with you, who will love you, who will help you to discern that which is going on in your life. Don't let this moment pass if God is speaking to you as we stand and as we sing. On the first note of that first verse, you come. We're singing now.